This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And let's face it, we can have the coolest product or service in the world, or in maybe your community, but if we don't communicate about it well with our words, it's not going to matter. You know, if people can't understand what it is that we are trying to convince someone to buy, then there's really no point in in doing this. And it's so funny because I was talking with my guest off the air and there are such hideous examples of people who don't know how to write well. And so please join me in welcoming Nick Usborne to our program today. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Well, and I apologize, I mispronounced your name after I asked you how to pronounce it. You know, it's just one of those things, one of those things. So let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will jump right into it. Nick Osborne is an expert in copywriting and web writing. He has written copy for some of the world's biggest brands, including Citibank, Apple, Chrysler, MSN.com, New York Times, WebEx, the U.S. Navy, and others. He attributes his success to conversational copywriting, and he's here today to share his approach to help you write persuasive and effective copy for clients or for yourself. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this. Great. Well, a let's just conversation about words. Oh, I know, you know, and and it's funny. I love talking about this subject, and and I, again, I shared off the air with you that. I always struggle with writing. I don't think I'm that good at it. And, you know, and, and so to be able to talk about this, I think it's, it's just fabulous. Um, but let's, let's kind of go back a bit. How did you get into this wordsmithing business? The wordsmithing business. Uh, happy accident. Mm-hmm. Happy accident. I was, my father gently nudged me out of the house because I was doing nothing. Uh-oh. I was sitting around doing nothing. Didn't get to university. Mm-hmm. And um, went up to London. Okay. And um, so I'm born, I live in Canada, but I was born and raised and educated in the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just staying with friends in a house. And one of those friends worked in an ad agency. And I said, what's an advertising agency? Well, he said, I've never heard mm-hmm. such a thing. And he told me, I said, is it fun? And he said, well, heck, yes, it is fun. So I thought, fine. And I got out an old, this is like late 1970s. So mm-hmm. I got out my old mechanical typewriter. I wrote 20 letters to 20 agencies, got three interviews, one offer, which I took because my dad mm-hmm. told me to get a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved around that ad agency, different mm-hmm. departments, which was actually great. Gave me a kind of grounding and everything. It's like an apprenticeship. And then mm-hmm. finally I went to the creative department and they said, well, what are you? Are you a designer or a writer? And I said, well, I'm not really sure. Right. So they tried me on design and that mm-hmm. was terrible. <laughs> and then they tried me on writing. And it was like, I, I was one of those like kid, like teenagers in early 20s who I had very, very low self-esteem. I had no idea what mm-hmm. I wanted to do with my life. I was completely lost. And then that day came where they said, okay, write some copy, write some words. Mm-hmm. And by lunchtime that day, I just knew. I just fell in love. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. I just loved the craft. And uh, 
I've been, this is my 40th anniversary this year. So I've been writing professionally as a copywriter Mm -hmm. for 40 years. And that Mm -hmm. first day, I mean, I literally, I thought, this is it. This is what I do. And I'm still doing it today. And I'm still loving it today Mm -hmm. when it's done well. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> done badly. So yeah, I've got uh, I got a lot of decades, a lot of years behind me, and, and kind of watching how the craft of copywriting has evolved mm-hmm. or, or the reverse. And uh, it's, so then the next exciting thing was the arrival of the web because that right. changed for me everything from a copywriting point of view because mm-hmm. it used to be that we wrote copy, we, we kind of broadcast messages at an audience through mm-hmm. one-way media like mm-hmm. TV or billboards or a magazine. And then the web comes along and it's like, well, hang on, this isn't a one-way medium. This is a right. interactive medium. This right. is a they went there medium. on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and also people can write back through social mm-hmm. media, through their own blogs. Mm-hmm. So all the, you know, you can't, I can't create a TV show back at a TV network through my mm-hmm. television, but I can write a blog post or, mm-hmm. an, or I can interact with social media on the web. Mm-hmm. So to me, that changed everything. Uh, for a lot of companies, I think they didn't get it early on that this was a different place. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was like a, a – I always loved copywriting. And then when the web came along, because I wrote my first website back in 1995. Wow. And at that point, I thought, oh, my goodness, I love this too. I kind of mm-hmm. fell in love a second time. And so, yeah, I've been on this kind of crusade about kind of writing for the web, but also, like you said in the introduction, conversational writing. In other mm-hmm. words, not old-school broadcast writing where you're writing at mm-hmm. an audience, but conversational copywriting where you are engaging with an audience. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are listening. Right. So, so in, in this process, I've become a bit of a, a geek on the whole topic of conversation mm-hmm. because I think conversation is such an important part of our lives mm-hmm. and we are almost, I mean, we're pretty bad at holding conversations most right. of us. Mm-hmm. And we, we tend to talk too much and listen too little. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the same, definitely. I'm, I'm not as good a listener as I should be. But if you think about conversation, everything important in our lives begins with a conversation, Mm -hmm. the first date, a job interview, Mm -hmm. getting to know your friends, Mm -hmm. being there for a friend in need. It's Conversation is everything. It's such an important part of our lives, and we're really not very good at it. And marketers and companies Mm -hmm. pay lip service to we have to listen to our customers and stuff, but they really Mm-hmm. And, and when I look at the writing on most websites, most digital marketing and communications, it's mostly a bunch of gobbledygook and nonsense and, mm-hmm. and, and, and doesn't suggest that they're truly listening to their right. audience mm-hmm. or, or that they're writing in any kind of everyday conversational language. It's this weird kind of business speak. And mm-hmm. it, it interrupt me when I get, when I ramble too much. But oh, no, I love it. This is great. You got me going now. So look, here's the irony. Here's what I find. This is what drives me crazy. As kids, we all knew how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got. I mean, if you got kids or, or or nieces or nephews or whatever, you know that a little kid understands how to persuade. Right. Uh, they want that bike. They want that mm-hmm. dress. They want to stay up late. They want whatever it is. They understand that if they make eye contact, if they give you the little puppy eye thing, mm-hmm. that always helps. They know, yeah. They know that if they they know that they cannot persuade you rationally, but they mm-hmm. can always persuade you emotionally. Right. I mean, as kids, we know this. Mm-hmm. You look at or, or go to the classic kind of lemonade stand in the in the front yard. Mm-hmm. The kids sell it. They know how to sell lemonade. Right. 
And and is is, is kids and it's usually make, horrible lemonade. Yeah, but it doesn't even matter because mm-hmm. we it's not it's not it's not why we buy it. Mm-hmm. And so so as kids, we know how to use language to be mm-hmm. persuasive. We understand it. Mm-hmm. Then we get a school, and we start having that ability educated out of us. Mm-hmm. We're, we're told to write properly in prom mm-hmm. sentences. Um, and, and then we have to write even more properly for our exams. And then if we go to university, then our language becomes even more mm-hmm. constrained. And heaven forbid we get a PhD, because then the only people who can understand what on earth we're trying to say right. are our mm-hmm. fellow, you know, fellow people at, at doing that kind of work. And then we get a maybe business school. And then we get ingrained with all this nonsense business gobbledygook stuff. And you get out the end and you have an individual who used to know how to communicate clearly, simply, emotionally in everyday language. And they, they've lost it. They've lost that ability. Now all they do is they write down this kind of stream of gobbledygook. And it's mm-hmm. like, it is, it's like the word equivalent of empty calories. It's lots right. of words with almost no meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's what I find kind of ironic is this is a skill we actually all used to have. Mm-hmm. Right. We just lost it to various degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was funny as you were talking, what I was thinking of, you know, with, with kids is it's very much short, you know, and it's short and sweet. You know, why do you want this? Because, <laughs> you, know, right? you know, and, and they, they really don't even know why or, or, you know, they just, and, and they just, well, because. Yeah, because yeah, I they, need they it. definitely don't pull out a PowerPoint or they definitely right. don't give you yeah. a list of Well, because it's points. going to make my life better in all these ways. Let me give you five reasons why. Right. You know, and and I I love that because you know, as as we've said, we we start writing more and more. Um, it's it's uh, like we're paid by the word to write. Um, you know, and and so we end up with these long, huge things that really are just saying. You should buy this because it's nice, because it will make your life easier. You know, the, the one sentence type of thing. But I think so many times we feel, well, there's, you know, a lot of things we feel. We feel like we need to convince someone. And so you have to give them every single point in the world as to, to why they should buy it. You know, we need to compete with the others. You know, we've looked at someone else's website, their brochure, their emails, whatever, and they've been very verbose. So we think, well, we have to be very verbose too. And I think a lot of times we, we obviously end up talking people out of working with us or, or, you know, buying our product or service because they didn't understand what it was that we were doing because we tried to tell them every single little detail. Right. And, and, and also what happens is, like I say, it's the bad conversation because the, you go to the website and, and ironically, one of the biggest offenders to my mind are, the, are marketing agencies, <laughs> marketing agency websites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the words are all about the agency and not about the reader. Right. Like, it's, it, to, to me, it's, it, it's like writing 101 for a website. Is mm-hmm. This should be visitor-centric, not mm-hmm. publisher-centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I guess that's the biggest sin of all, is this just this relentless blah, blah, blah mm-hmm. about our, our company and how wonderful we are. Well, I don't care. Right. What I want to know is whether you are a good match for the mm-hmm. need I have. Mm-hmm. And if you can very quickly show me that you can add value where I need it, mm-hmm. then I'll give you a call. Mm-hmm. If you're going to give me three pages of blah, 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 uh, I'm out of here and thank goodness. Right. Well, and I did the light bulb. Did you see it? That my light bulb just went off. Um, I, I work with people a lot on LinkedIn 
and especially executives and, and senior level people on, on, you know, how to write persuasive LinkedIn profiles. And I, and, you know, and, and it, or people who are saying the job market. And one of the things that I have been guilty of is I tell people more. We want to know more. And one of the things I will say is, you know, for the various sections, in many cases, you have 2,000 characters that, that you can put in there. Right. And, and you should fill it up, fill up that space. And I just realized that is wrong. <laughs> and, you know, and now, granted, sometimes you do, you know, we, we can be too short because if you don't give enough information, people will go on. I mean, you know, there's, right. there's kind of this happy medium type of thing, but it's the, just because you can do that much space, it doesn't mean you should. No, and, and also it, it, it matters where you put that information. So mm-hmm. say on a website. Right. At the beginning, if mm-hmm. let, let's say you're some kind of service provider, an agency, a consultant, whatever, and mm-hmm. I go to your website, the first thing I want to know is can these people deliver value where right. I need it? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, at that point, I don't care mm-hmm. about their background, their mm-hmm. people, all that. I just want to know whether they, ha- they have what I need. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that first part of the conversation should always all be centered about here's what we do and for whom, and this is the value we can deliver mm-hmm. to you. Right. So I wanted, once I've done that, then I say, oh, great, these guys sound like they have exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. And then I ask myself, hey, who are these guys? Mm-hmm. So I go to the About page. Right. And now what I've done is I've given you permission mm-hmm. to go on for 2,000 characters or mm-hmm. 2,000 words about mm-hmm. yourself because I've chosen to go there. Right. First of all, I found out that, yes, you have something that I want. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I hit click that about button, mm-hmm. I've now given you permission to do your blah, blah, blah by mm-hmm. yourself. So that's okay. The mm-hmm. problem is, is when the blah, blah, blah comes on the first page, mm-hmm. because at that point, I don't care. All right. I want to know is whether you have what I need. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I, I love the websites that start with, in business for over 25 years, I don't, like yeah. you said, I don't care. I mean, you yeah. know, if you've been in business for 25 days and can do what I need you to do, it, now, it, you know, that's, that's what's going to capture my initial attention. Now, if it is something that is very long term, okay, I want to know that you've, you know, you're going to be around. But yeah, initially, I don't care that you've been in business for however many years or have X number of degrees or, you know, all of those various right. things. I just want to know, can you do what I need you to do? Yes. And also, just there's, there's always a simple way to explain that. Mm-hmm. There's always a way of using everyday language. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you made the point, before, I think it was before we started recording, that sometimes people use fancy business language to right. look important, to sound mm-hmm. like they know mm-hmm. that they're important. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And um, that, that cannot work in your favor. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to get past that idea of the business speak makes mm-hmm. me sound competent because it doesn't. It just makes you sound incomprehensible. Right. You've got to go back to everyday language, mm-hmm. short words, short sentences. There's mm-hmm. that wonderful quote um, attributed to all kinds of different people. It's, it goes along the lines of, I apologize for the length of this letter, but I didn't have time to write a short one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which is which is absolutely correct. It, right. it is much harder to mm-hmm. write a short version mm-hmm. of something, and it's much harder to write a short version using short words mm-hmm. and short sentences and short paragraphs because mm-hmm. you have to put a lot more thought. It's right. easy to fill a page with blah 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 mm-hmm. nonsense. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, put in the work to make it simple. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. I saw a Facebook post from a, a friend of mine several days ago, and, and she'd written a book, and it had gone off to the editor. And her comment was, my 70,000-word book came back edited to 15,000 words, and boy, does it read better. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, and and I think maybe that's one of the the hardest things is for our to, to edit our own work. Um, long ago, when when I was uh, getting my my undergrad degree, I had a, a professor, and it, this was an, an English class, and he told us he said, you know, words are not your babies. Just because you know you you know, you put them in there, it's okay if I take my red pen and cross them all out. He said, you know, don't get so attached to the words. Right. that we can't write well. And and I remember, I mean, one of the first papers I, I gave him, it came back and it looked like he'd taken his red pen and just gone, what? <laughs> yeah. and, and he cut it down to this minor amount of words. And after I got over that initial, oh, I read it and I thought, yeah, it really does read better. <laughs> <laughs> it does. And it, hey, it's like I said, I've been doing this for 40 years and I've mm-hmm. just, the last maybe five years, I've really started paying much closer attention to the quality of my own writing. Mm-hmm. It may seem weird after all that time. But what I find I'm doing now is I'm becoming a better editor of my writing. And mm-hmm. it's exactly as you say. Mm-hmm. I, when I edit my own writing, I'm constantly cutting out mm-hmm. extraneous words, right. uh, sentences that are not necessary, paragraphs that are not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everything is getting simpler and simpler. And, yeah, it, it takes some time and some experience. Mm-hmm. But, but what, one thing I would say to someone listening, if someone's listening to this and saying, well, I, I don't really know whether the copy on my website or my emails or my social media channels, I don't know whether this is what Nick would call bad or whether what Nick would call good. Like, mm-hmm. how, how, how do I know that? Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my favorite litmus test there is read it out loud, mm-hmm. preferably in front of a friend or family member ah. or a – it could be a work colleague, but mm-hmm. not someone too close because you might mm-hmm. both be buying into the same nonsense. Mm-hmm. But so, so, hey, your spouse, an, an older kid or something. So if, if, you, if you got a page on your website, read it out loud to that person. Uh, and a few things might happen here is, one, you're going to maybe stop after a while and think, mm-hmm. this is really embarrassing. This is not me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't my voice. This is right. – or you'll see the look on your friend's face. face. He's like, he's, he's like, <laughs> he's like seriously, seriously. Yeah, they're, they're trying to not yawn. and mm-hmm. Right. So, so when it's safely on the page, mm-hmm. because the thing with the web is that you write it in privacy. Mm-hmm. Other people – read it though it might be ten thousand miles away and they're mm-hmm. not you're not you're not together in the same room. Right. So so when you actually read it out loud to someone, mm-hmm. uh it, it's a great indicator of, of of hey, is this really me? Is this my mm-hmm. voice? Is this what I actually mean? Mm-hmm. Or am I trying to sound like a marketer? Am I trying to sound like some fancy business mm-hmm. person that I'm not I, you know that's not me. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's a wonderfully simple way to do it it's also a great way to i was talking about shortening and simplifying your Mm -hmm. writing is when you start reading something out loud you may find like if you've written some ridiculous compound sentence that goes on Mm -hmm. for 30 or 40 words if you're not able to breathe (laughs) right if you run out of breath or you start stumbling around Mm -hmm. it's like okay because the reader will have a similar experience Mm -hmm. is they will also lose track in the middle of that 
sentence. So yeah, reading out like I do it myself, mm-hmm. and well, I, I don't read out everything. But I'll, I'll, when I'm proofing, I'll read something out. I'll, 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 I'll be reading through something, and if I find a sentence or paragraph where I have any doubt, like mm, is that as clear as it could be, mm-hmm. then I read it out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, that decision to really add loud is almost always uh, an accurate indicator. But mm-hmm. I need to work harder there. Right. Yeah. You know, and the th- the thesaurus—it's hard to say—is not our friend. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is this is not the time where you're putting in all those words. And you know, you mentioned when we go to school, and I think that's one of those things that we're taught is, you know, be descriptive. I think might be one of the the things. And and so they're saying, you know, that instead of saying the pretty blue flower. You say the the pretty, I can't think of another word for blue all of a sudden, chartreuse. Is chartreuse. Azure, azure. Azure, the azure flower <laughs> that only in the, the uh, moonlight, uh, you know, and all the, and, and pretty soon you're thinking, what? And you really were just talking about the pretty blue flower. Right. And we get in, in school, we get praised, right, mm-hmm. for fancy right. language. Mm-hmm. Spelling bees. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. You spell all these ridiculous words you'll never ever use mm-hmm. again in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there is pride and value in that mm-hmm. fancy language. And that's why I say is our natural ability to be persuasive and right. clear mm-hmm. is educated out of us. And we mm-hmm. just have to kind of see if we can rewind that mm-hmm. because we, it's all still there in us, that, that way to be um, you know, clear. Mm-hmm. And g- going back to the whole conversational approach is that begins with listening. So mm-hmm. I, w- when I was working in the offline world before, I, before I that first website of mine in 1995, I was just offline along mm-hmm. with every other copywriter on the planet, really. And in terms of listening to our audience, you know, we did focus groups, which I hate, and, mm-hmm. and so we'd get some basic demographic information. But mm-hmm. it was very hard to write copy based on what we'd listen to because you really couldn't listen mm-hmm. online it's amazing mm-hmm. i can i can listen to my prospects and customers all the time mm-hmm. i can go to discussion lists i can go to social media platforms i can go to amazon i can go to mm-hmm. yelp i can find all these different places where my audience is is talking mm-hmm. and i can i can not only listen i can listen to their language mm-hmm. the kind of language they use mm-hmm. Uh, I can get a sense of their emotional state, what makes them love a product or service mm-hmm. or hate a product or service, mm-hmm. uh, and the kind of language they use. So if if a good conversation, if conversational copy is based on listening, which it should be, then the mm-hmm. web is ideal for that. And the, the companies can be a little lazy there. They don't bother with the listening part. So mm-hmm. it becomes one of those, the worst state of your life where the guy sits across the table and mm-hmm. they keep talking about themselves for half an hour. And then they're astonished that you don't find them stunningly attractive. Uh, well, in, in websites, we do the same thing, right? We keep mm-hmm. going on and on about ourselves. We don't listen. And we don't use that language. So I uh, really, really try to listen for mm-hmm. – if, 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 if I put aside 10 hours to write some text or copy, uh, eight hours. I, I, I don't start writing until about our beginning of hour number nine. Mm. All right, I'll do two hours of writing, eight mm-hmm. hours before preparation. Mm-hmm. Always preparation. So I'm doing the research, I'm mm-hmm. doing the listening, I'm trying to find the language of my audience, I'm trying to find the the emotional high points and low point, points. Mm-hmm. I will do an outline. I'll, I'll go to enormous lengths to get it absolutely clear in my mind 
before I start writing. For the, the amateur writer, as it were, or the inexperienced writer, it's reverse. Right. They will do. We just start writing. Research, maybe, or they'll just start writing. Mm-hmm. What happens there is all kinds of stuff goes wrong. But, but the biggest one is that if you don't listen, how do you know who you're talking to? Right. It's like going on that blind date, really blind, like mm-hmm. with, a, with, a, with a blindfold. Is how, how do you know what to say if you don't mm-hmm. know who you're talking to? And how do you know what language to use if you mm-hmm. haven't listened to the language of your audience? And if you do listen to the language of your audience, now you have an absolute superpower, and this is mm-hmm. called mirroring. Um, this is anyone who took a psychology degree knows all about mirroring, which is where you actually just mirror back the language of the person in front of you. So there was, again, I'm going to ramble a bit, so stop me if I ramble for too long. Wonderful study was done where in, in a restaurant with two groups of waiters. One group of waiters, when they took the order from a table, complimented them. And we've all had this. They've said, okay, I'm going to have the steak and chips. And the, and the waiter says, excellent choice. Mm-hmm. All right. It happens all the time. Right. The other group of waiters did something completely different. They didn't compliment the, the customer. Uh, if the customer said, I would like steak and chips, the waiter just said, steak and chips. That just basically spoke back the exact mm-hmm. same words. And this is called mirroring, where you mirror the mm-hmm. language back. The group of waiters who mirrored rather than complimented got 70% more in tips. Wow. Uh, I would have thought it was the opposite. Exactly right. Counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the compliment was mistrusted, quite rightly. It is nonsense because ah, I say that. Right. Oh, yeah. They're not going to say bad choice, right? They're not going to say seriously. Yeah, <laughs> I like, would need that. <laughs> and, and part of you thinks, oh, yes, I am a sophisticated orderer. And the mm-hmm. other part of you thinks, yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. The mirroring. So, so this is used, mirroring is also used in hostage negotiation. It's used uh, right. in, in, in mm-hmm. all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. It's used in therapy. Mm-hmm. You say, oh, I feel so depressed about work. And your therapist says, I hear you saying mm-hmm. that you feel depressed about mm-hmm. work. Tell me more. This, mm-hmm. That's the one. Tell me more, mm-hmm. which is kind of really irritating at one level. But there you go. So, because it always comes, right? <laughs> you're always waiting for the term. Or you're waiting for, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the, the point of mirroring is it, you get that sense of, oh, this person gets me. So if you write to me and you say, if, let, let's say I um, sell coffee makers, um, I have to sneeze. Bit of, um, you guys sneeze. Excellent. Oh, it went away. Sorry about that. Okay, so coffee. So let, let's say I sell coffee makers and I read in a whole bunch of comments either on my side or someone else's side or Facebook feed or whatever that people are saying, oh, I wish I could find a plastics free coffee maker. I know this is, this is something that comes up because mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a coffee industry geek. Mm-hmm. And then if I then wrote a page about, say, a French press coffee maker, Glass mm-hmm. and Steel, and I wrote in the headline, not that this is a fantastic French press coffee maker, but I wrote, have you ever looked for a plastics-free coffee maker? And they're like, yes. Right. So I'm mirroring back. I'm not selling my object, mm-hmm. the French press coffee maker made of Glass and Steel. I'm mirroring their language, mm-hmm. their concern, and the, the response is just as you. It's like... Mm-hmm. Oh my God, right. it's like you read my mind, mm-hmm. which I did. Mm-hmm. Or, oh my goodness, this company really gets me. 
Mm-hmm. They, they totally understand me. So, so that's, that's like a coffee maker. You mm-hmm. can work in the service industry as well. You're a consultant, you're a coach, you're mm-hmm. whatever you are. You listen for the language and the concerns mm-hmm. of your customers. Instead of using your homepage or your email or your newsletter to go blah, blah, blah about mm-hmm. yourself, you mirror the precise language back mm-hmm. and people now lean in. It's because you've been listening, right? Mm-hmm. People lean in and mm-hmm. think, oh, my goodness. These guys, it's like they read my mind. Mm-hmm. They get me. They get what my problem, my mm-hmm. challenge is. Mm-hmm. These people can help me. Mm-hmm. So super powerful. So is, is a copywriter, it's like is a conversational copywriter, is a copywriter who listens. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the first thing you have to do is leave your ego at the door. Like mm-hmm. the first 20 years of my career, I was all about writing clever copy. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, back in the 80s, we were writing copy so that we could win awards, mm-hmm. never mind the customer. Right, no, about, you wanted you know, to win whatever award. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the clever headline award, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, you have to really let that go as a writer for mm-hmm. the web if you want to connect with your audience online. Mm-hmm. Let the ego go. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to be clever with your own words. Stop talking about your own company, your own mm-hmm. business, and simply mirror the principal concerns of your audience. Right. And that is just ridiculously powerful. That mm-hmm. is the superpower of conversational copywriting is the listening part mm-hmm. and the mirroring part and the letting go of the ego. Right. Well, and you know, we can do that ourselves, obviously, by paying attention when people are asking us questions about what we do or when they're complaining about it. Um, you know, when I tell people that, that I help people um, with their LinkedIn profiles – I get takes too much time, waste of time. Um, you know, I had somebody the other day that, you know, I, I only go to my profile once a month. Is that enough? No. <laughs> but, you know, it, you do, it, it's when you, it, it is almost when you hear the complaints about whatever it is that then you know, okay, now obviously you have to be truthful. You can't say, you know, okay, but our product does this if it really doesn't. But, right. you know, it, it, when when they're complaining about what it is, then then you know, okay, that's their pain point, right? We're all told, write about someone's pain point and how you can solve it. But you know, that's that really is what we're doing. And and you know, so you know, I need to say, do you think LinkedIn is a waste of time? <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, that that should be my headline because then they're probably saying, well, yes, I do. Um, you know, and, and so tell me how it's not, um, you know, and, and things like, I that. like but, that. I like that. I like that. Because yeah. again, then now you're not, you're not selling mm-hmm. yourself. You're right. mirroring what mm-hmm. you guess might be the concern mm-hmm. they have. Right. And, yes. you know, and, and I think that is, you know, it, but it, it was funny because you mentioned that we want to be clever. Yes. And, you know, and, and oh, you know, we want to use the catchphrases. We want to be cute. We want to use our taglines. Uh, and we were talking before the program about um, a, a television ad that just drives me nuts. It's one of those companies that, you know, and, and, and television does really seem to be the place where people want to be clever. And then, but then, of course, it carries over because we, you know, the, the whole big thing with marketing is you have to be consistent. What you're saying here, you should be saying here and, you know, all those right. weird things. And so the Arby's commercials right now. Um, here in the States are saying, um, you know, Arby's, we have the meats. Okay. And, but then the guy comes on and he's, this, he, you know, he's got his little chef coat on and he says, for sandwiches. 
Okay, that really, I mean, that says nothing to me. <laughs> and and actually, the more I hear it, the more annoying I think it is. And I think that is one of the problems that we run into when we're being clever is we annoy people. Um, you know, I don't want to know that you know that that you have the meats. Can you give me a good ham sandwich, a good roast beef? Sandwich? Okay. I think they're play, they're trying to play on the success of where's the beef. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, yeah. So, so sometimes you will get a phrase like "where's the beef" or "got mm-hmm. milk" uh, mm-hmm. out in the world of TV mm-hmm. land, where it does for some reason resonate. Right. So, I, I guess companies try to do mm-hmm. that, and most of the time, it falls flat, mm-hmm. like you say. Well, and, and we're all told, you know, as that we need a tagline. And, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty of that as, as anybody else, but then we take that tagline to an extreme, um, right. you know, and, 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 and it was funny, you, uh, in, in your uh, bio, you mentioned that you, you wrote for the, the Navy, and I think it's the armies, and, and they might not even do it any longer, their tagline, um, be all that you can be. Okay, that really does kind of say everything, um, right. you know, and, and, and so that's, that's a good example of being clever, of having a tagline, but then, of course, you know, from there, you, you want to describe, you know, wh- what does that mean? Um, you know, does it mean that I can, you know, learn computers? Does it mean that I can, you know, all these various things? And, and so that's where, you know, as you said, you've given permission then when somebody is reading further that right. you can explain in, in more detail. Yeah, taglines are weird because, like I say, most of them are kind of nonsense. Right, you know? just do it. Do tomorrow's, tomorrow's solutions today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of cliches happening. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, but it, but it's in in a sense I can be fairly forgiving of a tagline almost because mm-hmm. I assume it's going to be nonsense. Right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and and it might not, catch not, your attention, which is maybe what you're wanting it to do. But yeah. So so just do it. The mm-hmm. Nike one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no complaint about it. I think it's, I think it's been enormously powerful mm-hmm. for our brand. It's part of the brand. It's, mm-hmm. it's very recognizable as part right. of the brand. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, you don't even, you can, you can just strip it of its meaning mm-hmm. and just the vision, just the appearance of the words mm-hmm. on a t-shirt or, right. or wherever. You know you exactly it's, what it's it Nike. is. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my problem is when people try to apply that kind of tagline to, to a business. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're an agency, they're a consultant, they're a coach, they're a small business, whatever. Uh, because just do it mm-hmm. or where's to be for only works if you are doing mass media. Mm-hmm. If you've got the right line and you're doing mass media and it kind of goes into the kind of cultural landscape right. and mm-hmm. people talk about it. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, we, we don't do that. We don't have mm-hmm. the budgets of Nike or, or mm-hmm. people like that. So we actually have to be far better off trying, you know, not trying to be clever, mm-hmm. but to come up with something that is clear and simple. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, again, one of the things I always say working with clients or working on projects of my own is whatever the page, the email, the social media update, whatever, the first question I always ask myself is what is the purpose of this page mm-hmm. or this email? What is the purpose? First of all, it should be just one purpose. Right. <laughs> per page, right. per Not email, this per and this and this and this. Right. So one purpose. And then does everything on, that I've created here serve that purpose? Mm-hmm. Does the headline serve the purpose? Does the first paragraph serve the purpose? Mm-hmm. Does the image contribute to the purpose mm-hmm. or is it simply decorative and distracting? Mm-hmm. Because very often it's just decorative and distracting, mm-hmm. in which case remove it or, right. or change it. It's the business it. person. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. 
so, so yeah, I'm really tough on mostly on my own writing, but also on other people's writing. Mm-hmm. Is like, is this on purpose? Is this reader centric, or is it just you going blah mm-hmm. blah blah? Um, and 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 yeah, it, it and it's weird when I talk about the conversational approach because I also teach this. I have a course on conversational copywriting. People say to me, "Hey, this sounds like." Um, Second best, it's like you're pulling your punches. It's not, you know, this doesn't sound like sales copywriting. When you're being mm-hmm. conversational, it sounds entirely right. too friendly. And, and it's too soft. soft. Yeah, it just sounds like a soft skill. Mm-hmm. A soft skill. We don't mm-hmm. need that. We need, to, we need to always be closing, baby. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but funny thing, I, you know, I, I have a lot of friends in the direct response copywriting mm-hmm. industry who are, you know, they're all about results and conversion rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and ask any of them, the most successful people in that field, and they'll say, hey, the best direct response copywriting has always been conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a soft option. And I have students from my course who come back to me uh, with real results, showing, hey, I tested traditional hard-selling copywriting against conversational copywriting, mm-hmm. and the conversational approach won. Mm-hmm. And it's because, finally, you're actually connecting with people. You're engaging with people. Mm-hmm. And, and there's also another thing here. There's a, a slightly different topic here between the hard chart, because we talked a bit about the confusing gobbledygook business talk approach. Mm-hmm. There's also the overly selly approach, the hard right. selling approach, mm-hmm. the direct sales approach. And that is where a, a lot of people are finding more success with the conversational approach. And then mm-hmm. it's interesting because they're actually – so there's this whole – area called neuromarketing, where people have a look at the neurological impact, impact of your brain in certain ways of selling. And people actually use those MRI machines. You know, it's like an X-ray machine, but a donut where they slide right. you in and they do the scan of your brain and stuff. And so obviously it's medical purposes primarily, but marketers, you can, you can, you can buy time on those machines. And one of the tests some neuromarketers did is they, they put a whole bunch of people into the MRI machine, and then they showed them something scary, um, mm-hmm. like a snarling tiger or a hissing mm-hmm. snake, mm-hmm. and part of the, the amygdala. Right. So this is a very primitive part of the brain. Mm-hmm. lights up. This is mm-hmm. the fight or flight. Right. It's going danger, danger. Mm-hmm. Danger, danger. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So you can see, actually, what's happening in the brain mm-hmm. and which part of the brain is responding to various stimuli. So show them pictures like that, and, and, and the amygdala goes boom. Mm-hmm. And the amygdala actually basically closes down any kind of thoughtful decision-making processes we might want to make because it's, hey, stop thinking mm-hmm. and run. You know, mm-hmm. don't, don't consider the options, just mm-hmm. run or fight. Mm-hmm. So then what they did is they showed these same people pictures, say, of a really pushy uh, used car salesman. And they went, danger, danger. <laughs> You're exactly right. The, the amygdala lights up. If you're overly aggressive, it is perceived as a threat. Mm-hmm. And we know this. You know, we know that whether it's in a car dealership or someone coming to our front door, we, we feel like stepping back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We can actually feel a barrier right. coming mm-hmm. up because we, we're in a state where we do not trust this person. Mm-hmm. We are, we're, we're in defensive mode now mm-hmm. because we do not trust this person. And as anyone knows in business, where there's lack of trust, there's no sale. Right. We don't buy from people who mm-hmm. we clearly don't trust. 
Um, and so it's interesting that whole field of neuromarketing where they're finding out that there's actually a physiological response, there's the neurological response to, to hard mm -hmm. selling that makes a step back, bring up the barriers, not trust the messenger. And I think that is where if you are conversational mm -hmm. and you are more transparent and you are honest and you use language that is not associated with the hard sell, you know, the push, push, rush, mm -hmm. rush, free, you know, hurry, hurry, all mm -hmm. that language. Buy now, buy now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, offer expires at midnight tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, or less than now, some of that, some of that stuff can still have its place when used correctly. Mm -hmm. But the mindset of pushing and always be closing mm -hmm. uh, really doesn't work very well online. Right. Um, so that's where the if you if you use in fact more conversational language, mm -hmm. different things happen in the mind. Is you mm -hmm. actually get these kind of happiness drugs, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the dopamine, you know, rush of, of like mm -hmm. the feel good drugs. So. So the old school hard selling stuff triggers the fight or flight, mm -hmm. the conversational approach, more engaging, more based on listening, uh, more transparency, more mm -hmm. honesty, actually brings more pleasure. The dop dopamine begins to pour mm -hmm. out into the brain. People feel more comfortable and they feel more trusting. And then that increased trust leads almost always to increased sales. Right. So this is going back to when people say, hey, Nick, this sounds all kind of warm and, and kind of granola-like, but it sounds like a soft skill. And I say, actually, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an essential skill if mm -hmm. you want to increase the and, – and so many, particularly in business-to-business, business, so many uh, sales depend on truly engaging with that prospect and building trust mm -hmm. with that prospect. Uh, very hard to build trust in B2B without conversation. Mm -hmm. And when you have the conversation, very, very hard to make the sale if you don't get that person to trust you. Right. You know, and, and one of the things that I think is, is just absolutely basic about this is that it's a conversation with one person. Um, you've got this, this great little e-resource um, that you're going to offer to our, our readers, and it's called Five Quick and Easy Ways to Make Your Writing More Conversational. Um, and, but one of the, the, the very first point is visualize yourself in a conversation with one person. Yes. You know, and, and I think maybe that's the problem is we, we start thinking, okay, well, we're going to write for everyone Right. Who could ever maybe kind of sorta want to buy from us? Right. And you know, and, and so part of this is the, the hard part is you have to figure out who your audience is. You know, and, and we've talked about this on other programs where everyone is not your audience. Doesn't matter what your product or service is, everyone is not your audience. And so you start getting it more and more fine-tuned. And then have that conversation. You know, maybe you're selling something for, you know, mothers who are up at 2 a.m. Okay, writing it for everyone isn't going to work. Um, you know, you, you need to think, okay, I'm having a conversation with a mother of a newborn who is up at 2 a.m. And, that's, you know, you're going to be writing it very differently. Or you are writing to Cindy. Right. Yes, even more specific, not a whose mother. Daughter, whose daughter, mm -hmm. Janice, mm -hmm. right. has trouble sleeping. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and as soon as you actually give that person a name, mm -hmm. and as soon as you picture that. So mm -hmm. I said earlier about, about proofing your, finding out whether your website or your email copy works by reading it mm -hmm. out to a friend and feeling mm -hmm. how you, you know, do mm -hmm. I feel comfortable or uncomfortable? Does it sound like the real me or not? Um, the other thing is, like you say, absolutely. 
is to visualize right before you start writing, who am I writing to? Right. And when I have this conversation with companies, and, and, and the larger the company, the more of a problem this tends to be. Mm-hmm. Is that right, say, because it's by delegation, you know, it just starts starting. Talking, well, you, should, you can relate to this. We are talking to C-suite executives. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, but I, I can't see that. Right. How can I, how, how can mm-hmm. I talk to these people if I cannot mm-hmm. see them? Don't give me a job title. Uh, don't even give me a job description. Give mm-hmm. me a person. Mm-hmm. Right. Frank, mm-hmm. who is the COO of this company, mm-hmm. is who he is. Uh, here, he's big concerns in a company like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, now I can write to Frank. So, mm-hmm. so absolutely. And, and so, of course, I'm going to do that whole research. I'm going to do my eight hours of research and listening. So I really get a sense mm-hmm. of who Frank is and the language he uses mm-hmm and the concerns that he has. Uh, and if I can actually speak to him, if I can actually get to know him better than some of his colleagues, that would be a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. If I could right. become a, a friend or mm-hmm. ally of, of, of Frank when I want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, you know, write as if you're writing mm-hmm. to one person. Right. And, and this, isn't, this isn't just me. I mean, this is, you know, there are novelists over the years who said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is so mm-hmm. he's he's famous for his annual shareholder letter. Mm-hmm. All right, and his letter is famous for being very clear, mm-hmm. but without gobbledygook. Mm-hmm. It's it's any intelligent investor can understand Warren Buffett's annual letter. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he writes it to his sister. Mm-hmm. He writes it to Dorothy. He's always written that letter to mm-hmm. his sister. He sits down and he thinks, hey, mm-hmm. if I want to do it, because Dorothy's not in, she's a smart lady, but mm-hmm. she's not in the same business. Right. So he says, hey, if I wanted to explain how we, how we did this last year to Dorothy, mm-hmm. how would I do that? Mm-hmm. And then that he write, basically he writes a letter to Dorothy, which then becomes a letter to the mm-hmm. shareholders, which is genius. It's perfect. Right. So, so there's novelists as well who sit down and say, okay, who is my reader? I'm mm-hmm. going to write this to one person. Mm-hmm. This is the one person I'm writing this to. Because it is. It's when you try to be a crowd pleaser, you you, you please mm-hmm. nobody. I mean, right. Seriously. Well, and one of the easy things to, to do is to find then a picture of, yeah. you know, uh, of Dorothy. I mean, you know, that'd right. be, you know, and, and so you're, as you're writing, you know, that picture is there in front of you on your computer, you know, or taped to it or, or wherever. And I've done that with clients before where I have said, okay, you know, here is who you're writing for you know, or, or who we're writing for. You know, this, this is our target market. And, you know, and, and, and they're like, but that's one person. Yeah, it should be one person. Um, right. You know, and, and, and granted there are, but, and then you always get the, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, because it's, well, but, but no. You know, right? <laughs> that one person, you know, and, 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 and that's the trick that we have with, you know, when, with marketing is I'll tell people, you know, get it down to your, you know, niche it down as far as you possibly can. And of course, the big thing that many people will say is, but the people over here could also buy, you know, and, and so they're thinking that by niching it down, they're losing money. Well, you know, those little offshoot people might buy from you anyway, but if you don't have it down to that niche, it, that's where the money is. And, and maybe that comes down to a hundred people, you know, whatever your product is, maybe it goes to a hundred people writing for 10,000 is wasting your time. Hey, but also that's like an old school thinking because, mm-hmm. uh, I used to many, many years ago, I used to write, uh, brochures for Chrysler for that ah. car model. 
mm-hmm. uh, for my sins. And and so you write a brochure, mm-hmm. and it is to anyone who might buy the magic wagon back mm-hmm. then, and it would be that one brochure for the next year until the new models come out. Mm-hmm. Online, yes, you find exactly as you described, mm-hmm. one person, Frank. We're going to write to Frank. Mm-hmm. And are we leaving this other segment behind? Actually, yes, we are. And mm-hmm. maybe we should. Or, hey, this is the web. Mm-hmm. We're going to have one page for Frank. Right. We're going to have another page. We can have 10 different landing mm-hmm. pages. Um, mm-hmm. and I've done tests where we've, mm-hmm. we've had 100 different versions of the same page mm-hmm. specifically addressed to specific niches within the portal. Right. So that you're always speaking to mm-hmm. Frank, to Dorothy, mm-hmm. to Janice, to whoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also, something you, you were talking about target market, which mm-hmm. uh, brings me to something else that I talk about a lot which is try to get that adversarial mindset out of your head. Mm-hmm. Target market, it's like a military thing. Here's the target. 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 <laughs> so mm-hmm. There's lots of military analogies and sports analogies mm-hmm. in marketing. It's all about mm-hmm. winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to win. If we don't win, we lose. Mm-hmm. you so got to score that touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so there's lots of adversarial language in traditional marketing. And that is the antithesis to conversational because conversational writing and communication is all about engagement and trust mm-hmm. and transparency. You can't get there by being adversarial. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is, again, the difference between the old offline way mm-hmm. and the potential online. Mm-hmm. Is, is offline, we actually did have to, we did have to kind of push a bit more aggressively with mm-hmm. TV or radio or billboard. Um, so, yeah, we'd write at an audience mm-hmm. and we would be a bit more, I, I would be a bit more pushy. I'm mm-hmm. certainly more pushy in my writing style mm-hmm. back in the offline world. Online, no, it doesn't work as well because mm-hmm. our audience has a voice. They have way more choices. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Hey, imagine imagine you're in a small town 30 years ago and you want to buy shoes. You go to Main Street and you got one store, two stores. Mm-hmm. That's your choices. Right. Uh, those stores can make all kinds of mistakes, but because there's only two choices in mm-hmm. time, right? Do you find you were kind of stuck? Mm-hmm. Now online, mm-hmm. I can get thousands of retailers mm-hmm. online to buy shoes. Uh, so you really cannot afford to upset or push away or be aggressive or mm-hmm. adversarial with the audience because they always have a choice. They always have mm-hmm. that back button, right? Uh, and people and, they, and they're always distracted. Mm-hmm. They're distracted uh, by. Their smartphones, by social media, by messages, everyone is so distracted. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just another aggressive marketer, it's very easy to just move away, to step right. aside that the fight or flight. Mm-hmm. The only reason I'll stick with you, I think, is if you have engaged with me on that more personal mm-hmm. level, on that more emotional level, I feel that I trust you, I feel some mm-hmm. loyalty, I feel some engagement, I feel mm-hmm. you're on my side, I feel you get me. Mm-hmm. You keep saying stuff to me where I think, oh, my goodness, they read my mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So even in a world of distractions, I'm going to stick with that company mm-hmm. because they have engaged with me. Mm-hmm. And the old school adversarial language or approach is not going to achieve that anymore. It, it just pushes people away. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that's another one of my tips is stop trying to be so persuasive. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to be so pushy. Stop using pushy language. Get out of that pushy mindset. Mm-hmm. And be in that mindset where you're across the kitchen table, you're mirroring their concerns, mm-hmm. you're trying to be their friend, and you are. And that's another thing. And, and something that I've always done is when I work with clients is I've said, look, I have to tell you something. I'm going to be an advocate 
not so much for you. I'm going to do it as a copywriter. I'm going to be an advocate for your audience. Mm-hmm. I'm on their side. Right. And don't get me wrong, I'm actually, this is actually to your benefit. Mm-hmm. If I'm just on your side, now I'm being pushy and adversarial mm-hmm. and your your audience is, is not my enemy but a place I need to win against them to get their credit card. Mm-hmm. Right. So that'll take us you know, that far. But mm-hmm. if, in fact, I'm on their side, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. It changes the language I use. It changes my mindset. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, then takes us a whole lot further. Right. You know, and and I, you said the word several times, you know, personal. Um, you know, and, and, of course, one of the buzzwords right now is we have to be authentic. And, you know, and, and social media, of course, really allows that or, you know, when, and so as small business owners, as entrepreneurs, you know, we're using social media so that people get to know us, um, you know, they, and, and so we tell people, you know, it's okay on social media to talk about your cat, your dog, your kids, you know, you had a bad day, all these various things without going into too much detail. I mean, you know, right there, the, the TMI people, but that is part of it is, you know, when we're having a conversation with somebody and wanting to trust them enough to spend money with them, we know a little bit more about them. Um, you know, we know that they also like dogs or they're a fan of a certain sports team or, or whatever it is. And, and so it is about kind of getting to know. And, and you can put that, you know, especially if you're a single, you know, a solopreneur, you can have that in your website. I mean, there's, I, I remember people, and this was an English professor that said, you cannot use the word I. Well, sure I can. You know, I want people to know me. And, you know, and, and so it's okay to say I do this. And I now, you know, we certainly, you know, when you're looking at your copy, you don't want it to go I, 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 I. mean, that just looks, you know, I tell people, no, 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 don't do that. But it's okay to let people know your personality because that is part of having that conversation. Right. So, I was, so you're absolutely right. Uh, and I believe that's super powerful. But let me draw a, a really important distinction here. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between being authentic and writing as if you're authentic. Right. Mm-hmm. right? There's a difference between – So I don't know whether you've received them. I get these emails where it's like, hey, Nick, buddy. <laughs> I know, and you're like, no. Like, I, was right, I was walking down the street this morning, and I suddenly thought, hey, you haven't taken me – taken, you know, you hadn't jumped at such an offer. Mm-hmm. And I think, no, you weren't thinking of me when you were No. That. That's a lie. You mm-hmm. put this email in your automated system mm-hmm. six months ago. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between being genuinely a friend mm-hmm. to your audience and being this kind of false buddy approach. Mm-hmm. And, again, the false buddy approach may take you so far, mm-hmm. but at some point people are going to get it, that you're actually right. totally, mm-hmm. being totally unauthentic mm-hmm. yet. So, yes, uh, by all means, present yourself mm-hmm. as your real self, but, but not as a device. Mm-hmm. Do it because it is you. Right. Not because you've read somewhere that mm-hmm. it's clever to be you, mm-hmm. but be you. Right. It's, right. it's like it's stripping away all the kind mm-hmm. of artifice and actually mm-hmm. just being real about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people will pick up very quickly that it really is not authentic. Um, right. You know, and, 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 and it's. It, I, and because we do that in real life, you know, we, we know, okay, well, they yeah. really didn't mean that. They were just saying it because, 
um, you know, and, and I mean, that comes from when we were little kids, you know, no, they didn't mean that, you know, mom really didn't mean that I could have that, you know, whatever <laughs> it was, you know, and, and so, you know, back to, you know, what we were saying at the very start, kids, I mean, you know, kids pick up on these things very quickly, you know, even if it's just that you say something and you get the eye roll, you know, right. you know okay, the second you get the eye roll, you know, no, shouldn't, right. shouldn't have gone there. Right. Kids, kids know, when, like say when we were kids, we knew mm -hmm. how to do this stuff. Right. We just need to rediscover it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's a, a you know another uh, one of those things going around on Facebook that I see fairly frequently, kind of along the same lines of you know I don't trust somebody that my dog doesn't trust, <laughs> you know, and that kind of is true. I mean, you know that <laughs> that dogs and kids pick up on these things, um, you know, and and so yeah, if my dog's not going to like you, I don't know. <laughs> The dog well, test for yes, yes. Well, oh my gosh, Nick, we—I I didn't even get to several of my notes here because you know I, I wrote down that we need to talk about the fact that you know it's it's just as important to be conversational when you're doing internal communications for your oh. employees, or oh, how to write good yeah. email campaigns, and then the importance of visuals. You know, so. All that means is we just have to have you on again because it is, it's very important. You know, as, as I said at the very start of the program, if we, if we aren't using our words correctly and in a way that really involves the reader or, you know, that, you know, the, then it really is a waste of time. We can have the greatest product or service in the world, right. but if we didn't convince them it's the greatest product or service in the world in and a good way, it's not going to matter. And so we just have to have you on again because that, there's so well, much. Well, that's, that's a huge topic, the one mm -hmm. about internal communication right. within mm -hmm. an organization because mm -hmm. that could be just as full of nonsense and gobbledygook and you can have right. divisions not understanding mm -hmm. what each other are doing, teams mm -hmm. within divisions having no clue because no oh, one yeah. So, yeah, I did internal whole. communications for a large, one of the largest companies in the world, and yeah, we always well, struggle with that. There's a wonderful book by uh, Judith Glazer called uh, Conversational Intelligence, mm -hmm. which is all about having better conversations mm -hmm. within a corporation. Mm -hmm. Anyway, right. for another for another conversation. For another no. time, for another time. So until then, Nick, tell people how they find you and work with you online. Okay, so come to conversationalcopywriting.com. Mm -hmm. And you can wander around. I have a blog there. There's all kinds of pages there. You can discover all kinds of stuff. I have put together a page for for you. It's uh, conversationalcopywriting.com mm -hmm. forward slash power. Mm -hmm. And if you go there, I will invite you to sign up, and mm -hmm. I will send you that free ebook that you mentioned. I have plus right here. Mm -hmm. All right, plus a series of videos. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is basically the beginning of, you know, getting into learning about conversational copywriting, how it mm -hmm. works and why it's important to your business or organization. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, then I'll keep you updated. And, yes, for sure, I will try to sell you my course on conversational copywriting. But it's but not I a hard for, sell. No, I think what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, mm -hmm. is that I that I that I walk the talk, that I take mm -hmm. a conversational approach, that I mm -hmm. also listen mm -hmm. very carefully to to the people that I that I'm talking with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't push too hard. I, I, I try to share a lot of valuable information mm -hmm. after I give a lot more than I ask for in return. So yes, uh, conversationalcopywriting.com forward slash power. Perfect. Or if you just want to if you just want to email me, 
Uh, again, I like to be accessible. So just you can email me at nick at conversationalcopywriting.com. Perfect. I love it. Well, do you have any final words that you want to leave everyone with? Good communication is not about being clever. It's about being simple. One idea per sentence, short mm -hmm. sentence, short word, short paragraph. Always ask for what is the purpose of this page and then just get there in the simplest way possible. And that'll, that, that, that alone could transform how you communicate online. I love it. And I can't add anything more to that. So I am Deb Creer. I've been having an absolutely fascinating time talking with Nick Osborne. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.